Good evening, everyone. Good evening, corruption. Hey, official. Yeah, so we are live. Uh, <laughs> so you, you, you resolved your microphone problem. Nice. Okay, so how was your weekend? Or have you seen, uh, what fights have you seen? Or would you like to proceed with, uh, with the intro as usual? Uh, do however you like, sir. Haven't seen, haven't seen, just seen a little bit of highlights of a few of the fights, but nothing, nothing in detail. Okay, so maybe in that case we can keep this episode shorter because yeah. we both have a very, very busy weekend. So on my side, I had uh, a lot of uh, people over here for the weekend. So I didn't have enough of time to, to watch all the fights neither, but I was able to catch only AJ Pool of Life. Then uh, today I also watched uh, Verdejo against Nakatani and what a nice yeah. fight it was. And uh, I saw, well, the short fight that was uh, in between uh, Jesse Pam Rodriguez and uh, Juarez, and also saw the first five rounds of um, Shakur Stevenson's fight. I didn't see. Well, all I can tell you is that the fight was, let's say, more exciting, a bit more exciting than um, than the usual Shakur's fight. But yeah, I was um, on the other on the on the other hand, I was not able to to watch those fights in details and uh, analyze them at all. So, all right, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's been one of those weeks. If you if you recall, I mentioned that I had to to leave on business. I only re returned today, but we'll we'll start off with with um, the card yesterday from the United Kingdom World Heavyweight Championship unification with Anthony Joshua defending his WBO, IBF, WBO Heavyweight Championship titles against Kubrat Pulev, mandatory challenger. I think it may have been mandatory for the IBF. Um, we didn't cover this fight in any sort of detail last week because from our perspective, it was a totally irrelevant, insignificant fight. A 39-year-old Bulgarian heavyweight with a less, either a 50% knockout ratio or even less than that, whose best punch is a jab. Um, <laughs> coming into the United Kingdom um, to challenge Joshua, having declined a previous um, challenge pretty bizarre incident he, he somehow manufactured a, an injury and Carlos Tercam stepped in so Kulev had a, a second opportunity um, now for a fighter who 
his best punch is his jab. Doesn't have any significant knockout power, even up against a, a fighter who has a glass chin in Anthony Joshua. The probability of him knocking out the champion to win the championship belts was minimal. On the basis of his momentum coming into the fight, having given a lethargic performance against Rydell Booker, who recently got demolished by Philip Hargovic. And I've always emphasized the significance of momentum coming into fights, certainly significant fights. And Pulib hasn't exemplified any brilliance under top rank recently. A fighter who's, who's used to opulence, um, having married a celebrity who's openly bisexual and both of them boasting about having orgies, etc. So clearly his, his mind has not been in boxing. And can you blame him? Um, so he came into this fight and I'm surprised that, you know, Joshua labored to a ninth round victory. I saw small elements of the fight, so I let official shed uh, in-depth analysis. But from what I saw was a Pulev who had no athletic ability, pretty much stood in front of Joshua. No ability to exploit any angles or show agility to try and, um, given his deficiencies in height and reach, um, but what I saw was it was a Joshua whose long-range deficiencies come back and haunt him. Um, I've often talked about his lack of ability at fighting at long range, and that's exactly what I saw. Extremely telegraphed, the same muscle memory combinations that he tends to throw. No creativity. Pulev was able to block doesn't have any, it doesn't really have a robust guard, but he was able to parry punches both of his left hand and his right hand. Um, was able to land the jab, but underutilized any power punches. So, how on earth is he going to cause any debilitating damage to Joshua just by throwing a jab? Had no ability to throw a left hook. When he did, he was getting countered got counted for the first knockdown from what I saw. Joshua was able to land uppercuts at will. Um, so from a, from watching not the full fight, but certain portions of the fight, it just seemed, it just looked like a, a horrible fight aesthetically, technically. Um, Two early knockdowns, Kulev, Kulev recovered, had an incremental success during the middle stages from what I can see, but didn't buzz Joshua with any any, any power punches. Um, I'm very curious to see the punch stats or official to advise me, but I didn't see any combination punching from Pulev. I, did, I hardly saw any right hands thrown with, in vain with any sort of trajectory or talk or power or intent. Um, hence the reason why we were lackluster about this fight. It just seemed like Pulev, very happy to cash out, receive his few millions or whatever, and now retire. 
go back into probably turn into a Bulgarian porno star, given the, the opening <laughs> he has with his wife. Um, good luck to him, uh, official. You want to? Uh, do you have the inclination to shed more light on this fight? Yeah, let me see. Uh, I don't know what could what could I tell more about this fight exactly. Uh, listening to your observations, uh, well, I pretty much share. Um, you know, I felt the same way, pretty much the same way about this fight. Uh, now, uh, first of all, uh, <laughs> just a few minutes ago, Eldog on uh, Twitter uh, shared a tweet from Michael Benson saying WBO president Paco Valcarcel has said that they already granted two exceptions to Anthony Joshua for Ruiz, uh, the second Ruiz fight, and for Pulev. So, it indicates that they won't be willing to do another for the Tyson Fury fight. If so, AJ must fight Alexander Usyk or vacate unless Usyk agrees otherwise. So for start, that's uh, that's a good news. You know, I like it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> this fight itself, I didn't enjoy it at all. I think it was ugly, just like you said. Uh, and I mean, anytime um, Pulev would step in close uh, after throwing a punch or after missing with a punch with the right hand, usually Anthony Joshua would just uh, grab him, clinch him. And so it was very, very, very boring fight and uh, a very ugly fight. I wasn't enjoying it at all. I mean, I don't know what to say. Look, Pulev... I'm not sure, like I, like I told you, uh, I was not really paying attention, nor did I have enough of time to analyze those fights, so this fight neither. But Pulev was active only with his uh, lead hand, of course, with his jab, uh, here and there trying to sneak in uh, some very short left hook of the jab. Uh, and... Uh, in the second stage of the fight, in the second half of the fight, he started trying to catch AJ with one-twos, you know. Uh, and to be honest, those uh, one-twos sent uh, pretty quick to me. Uh, but Joshua was able, to his credit, to, to duck down and uh, make pull of miss. Now, I do think that... Just like yourself, I think that Pulev was winning some of the rounds, but it was a clear AJ fight now. Uh, <laughs> just like you said, uh, Joshua has problems with, uh, with fighting at long range. And uh, even, even, his, um, even his uppercuts, his right uppercuts that he was catching Pulev with, even those... Uh, mid-range uppercuts, longer uppercuts, they were very telegraphed, but somehow they were very often catching Pulev, but he was also missing with a lot of them. But I, I do think that some other fighter would be able to to see those punches and Pulev anyway is another thing that you mentioned, 39, 
39 years old, <laughs> having better things to do in his life than boxing. Um, he was not very, I mean, I do think he was trying to win, uh, but there was no, 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 no real threat for AJ. Uh, even Pulev's best at this stage of his career at, at 39 years old, being I would say rather well prepared for this fight. Otherwise, in my opinion, he wouldn't be able to last, uh, what was that, 10 rounds or nine. I think uh, the stoppage happened in the 10th round, if I'm not wrong. But uh, if he was not that well prepared, he would go out uh, much earlier. But uh, it was funny to see him how happy he was after the fight, and I mean, uh, I was I was watching the um, this either Spanish or Mexican transmission, and the commentators in Spanish were saying that <laughs> even them were saying he, of course, he's happy. He he earned fourteen million euros, uh, but I'm not I'm, I'm not sure if it was. 40 million euros for Pulo, which seems, which would seem to me as an extremely large sum. Uh, maybe they were talking about AJ, but I'm not sure. Anyways, I'm sure that Pulo was able to obtain a hefty sum for uh, for this fight, and uh, that's why he's happy. He can. Uh, retire and enjoy his life and whatever he's doing in his life um, but yeah aj i i mean uh, still he he seems very robotic uh, not saying that he's a bad fighter but uh, it, it's just that this heavyweight division no matter how how much some of the people like to say it is exciting uh, Except for a very few fighters, it's not a good division. So uh, AJ fighting anyone below top five, six, or seven, uh, we pretty much know the outcome. And uh, Pulev definitely isn't in uh, in top ten of today's heavyweights. So we knew for that reason that AJ would not have uh, a lot of problems. Uh, in this fight, but I'm trying to think about from from the technical standpoint what uh, what I was able to see. I mean, Pulev uh, was uh, just like he always does. He was keeping that lead hand far in front of him, trying to sneak in short jabs. And to his credit, uh, at one point I think it was in the middle rounds, fifth or, or sixth round, something like that. I saw him catching and wobbling uh, AJ with uh, with the jab, a pretty similar one that Povetkin caught him with in the first or the second round of their fight. And uh, he was trying to, to hook off the jab, sneaking in short hooks, but it was, well, pretty much ineffective. Um, now, before I let you go on uh, and, and speak, because uh, at the moment I cannot recall of, uh, of the technical details that I saw in the fight, I just want to, to give shout out to Eldog, Duck, to Shep, uh, but also to, um, uh, what's his name, Timmy Nealon, and uh, also JD from Twitter, 
yeah so go on corruption i i hope uh, i'll be able to to, to recall more, more details about this one. but pretty much that's it you know what you were saying about pulev now with somebody who doesn't have a massively expansive punch arsenal doesn't there's no intrigue in the combinations he's going to throw there. That that's that's the point. Is he even going to throw a combination? It may just simply be a one-two. I don't see no doubling up of the jab from the defensive standpoint because he was standing in front of him, given his age and his lack of agility. I saw his head on head and his and and thirty percent top body on on the center line all the time. Hence, Joshua was able to land telegraphed. I saw one sequence where he landed three or four uppercuts in a row. And and who who lives upper body and his head didn't even oscillate off the line or even any side to side movement. It's like he's just standing there in the trance. It's almost like this in, this intrinsic effect that happens to all the Wilder's opponents as well. They just stand in front of Wilder with their hands down, just inviting him to knock him out, and that's what it looked to me from from a. A speculative point of view, and just uh, I, I saw that, hence the reason why I, I made no effort to try and even watch this fight. It, it, the outcome was as predictable. The only thing I would have anticipated is Joshua, rather than boxing a little bit cautiously from the outside, hence the demons from the first Ruiz fight are clearly still there. You know, he, he's very protective of his jaw because I'm. And this is this is the thing official. What I wanted to on on Friday for one of the workouts when I was away on business, um, I received a flash about one of their open workouts or press conference. I couldn't remember what it was. So um, on my phone, I I, I I saw it briefly, and in the message box, all I said was, "Anthony Joshua has more glass in his chin than Queen Elizabeth's crystal chandelier." And within ten <laughs> seconds, Sky Sports had blocked me. No shit. Yeah, within within ten seconds, they had blocked me. <laughs> so I thought, well, fuck you, Sky Sports. You know, funny thing with the truth, and it? it's harder to absorb than lies. And um, well. Maybe I was trolling a little bit, but I think there's a there's a lot of reality in 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 those words. But Sky Sports clearly didn't want anything to do with that, and and so they did, they didn't even block me. I was curious to see have they have they blocked me for ten seconds, but they just blocked me completely from the channel. Fuck <laughs> so, Fuck it, you know, and hence you know the, the audacity of Sky in in the pandemic to actually increase the pay per view for UK citizens by an extra five pounds or whatever it was, you know, fucking cheek, you know, to put on a garbage pay per view like this with who Lawrence Lawrence Acoli on on the undercard, not even in the World Championship fight, and um, I'm not even sure who else was even on there, but. Uh, forget it, official. You know, I, I'm not not interested in this garbage. Hopefully, the WBO will Balcarcerella will will enforce Usyk's mandatory berth. It's been two years now, so 
Um, but I'm, I, I, I fear that an undisputed or a unification, however you want to look at it, will take precedence over the mandatory. And Usyk will have to wait. And it's probably going to be... It's probably going to have to be... If it's one fight, then they, the, the two of them can have a rematch because a rematch is, is no... But that's not a necessity in the context of a unification taking precedence. So, I don't know. Money, money. I, I, I guess will will take will take the the, the central issue, and they will. And Joshua and uh, Fury will get their fight. I'm sure Usyk is going to be left holding the bag. Unfortunately, maybe waiting for the winner. So, a little bit like Jack Catterall, maybe he has an opportunity to fight for undisputed. But my worry is that Tyson Fury won't fight him if he wins, and I expect him to beat Joshua. Uh, he's already indicated that he he feels that Usyk is not it's just inconspicuous, just an obscure name. He has no interest. You know, the typical pussy tactics that Tyson Fury has shown all of his career. So uh, it's just going to be more frustration official. So I've got no more to say on this fight. I haven't seen any of the undercard fight. Not even interested. Uh, yourself? Or should we move on? Yeah, same for me. I, I was not watching the undercard. But anyways, yeah, you're right. It's not like this fight is something really worth <laughs> spending our time on. But on the other hand, uh, what I would like to say, maybe we could uh, say just, or, or maybe even not, because it's nothing... <coughs> Excuse me, please. Uh, we saw nothing new happening. Uh, everything that happened in this fight in between AJ and Pulev, it's not like it's something new to us. We know it already. I was thinking about um, asking you if this fight changes uh, your opinion on how an eventual fight in between AJ and Usyk uh, would go. Oh, but... Usyk, Usyk absolutely beats... Joshua, I have no doubt about it at all. He'll I would look. He'll keep that shot at range, and he, he won't be there in front of Joshua for any for any jabs, right hands. Joshua's already showed that he he doesn't have that ability to fight against those fighters who, who operate a little bit, certainly a southpaw. And I think the, the way the way Joshua drops his his lead hand as well, his lead hand is unbelievably low. So I can see Usyk having great success with the jab, turning the jab into the right hook, one of his preferred combinations, and then walking Joshua onto a big left hand and then just pivoting off to the right, keeping using typical southpaw triangle theory just to keep Joshua out of the equation. So I've always been convinced that, that Usyk would beat him, and, and, and watching Joshua recently, I'm, I'm even more positive. Yeah, that's the same way I feel. I mean, uh, I, I would really favor Usyk in that fight against Joshua. The thing is, however, the thing is that uh, I would clearly give uh, give AJ a solid chance, you know, a, a real chance of beating him because of that right hand. And he's very good with that right hand. He, he loves that pull counter that he, okay, he showed it against Charles Martin now in this fight against Pulev too. It's not uh, anything surprising. And for sure, it would be more difficult against 
Usyk, but um, Usyk, Usyk himself is vulnerable to, to those uh, counter right hands, pull counters, uh, as we already had uh, had the opportunity to see. But yeah, no doubt, I would favor Usyk, and uh, I would uh, I, I would love uh, the odds for that fight to be uh, largely in AJ's favor, <laughs> kind of like uh, with what happened with Nakatani and Verdejo. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, a look now speaking uh, about the unification fights and uh, Usyk uh, letting him and uh, Fury fight. Uh, I'm not sure what is going to happen. I, I, I kind of think there is a possibility that uh, AJ will have to defend his uh, WBO title against Usyk, but when Thinking a bit more about it, yeah, I would say he'll he'll probably drop it. I don't think he. I, I think that he will be looking for that big money fight, and that uh, he knows very well that Usyk is extremely an extremely dangerous fight for him. So he'll probably ditch that WBO belt and uh, go into into a fight against Fury for a cash out without that belt. Uh, and another thing that I agree with you is that Tyson Fury, the, the, the way he already talked about Usyk is clear that he, 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 he it wouldn't be likely for him to, to accept that fight against against Usyk, which is which really sucks and uh, i mean uh, you know me how much credit i'm giving to to fury but it would really be an occasion to to shit on him for a for a for a great reason uh, other than that what else i wanted to say you see you see aj's problem with with ruiz on the two folks it was and speed and counter punching ability and with with joshua when he has success at that short range where he does most destructive damage he always drops his guard position and his defense just capitulates and you hear robert mccracken shouting at him keep your hands up keep your hands up because yeah. his work so Usyk in that position has the advantage of hand speed he's a better counter puncher and i I believe defensively he is infinitely better than Anthony Joshua and he's better. So those poor counters don't really affect Usyk to the extent that they, whereas an, an orthodox fighter has success with him when they hook around his guard because he doesn't move his defense, he doesn't move his head that much and he's starting to get a little bit better at doing it because he's got such a, a high guard so they tend to neglect that. So sometimes if you hook around the guard or you can even penetrate the guard, which is tough because he's very strong. There are chances, but he's not going to be there. He's, he'll, he'll show his head and his face, but he'll move. And I think he can break Joshua down. I, can think, I think he can take advantage of his, his defense and his lack of endurance, despite the weight coming down. He doesn't fight... In, in sustained bursts throughout. He doesn't maintain his punch output. Um, you can see he's stuck a little bit into fighting defensively on the back foot, moving laterally and fighting in the middle of the ring. Now up against Kubrat Kulev, who posed no difficulties in power punching, 
why not stand in the middle of the ring, command the middle of the ring, and knock him out? The, exactly. Know, he just procrastinated the fight with some pussy ass tactics. You know, not impressed at all. Where was his formidable punch power official? You know, how comes Pulev was able to get up uh, from an early barrage and, you know, put in six rounds and then later on, you know, to me, those those two last two knockouts looked poor, piss poor. I wasn't convinced that they were, but I, I've only seen highlights. I, I just had, I paused and zoomed in on Kubrat Pulev. To me, they look like flash knockdowns, but what do I know? That's just observations of a part-time fan watching a totally nonsensical fight from a high <laughs> so a corruption just another thing uh, yeah i mean um Uzi, uh, first of all that that possible fight in between him and aj i i, I do really think that even uh, having uh, judges in their pockets it still wouldn't help aj or uh, hern simply because <laughs> the way AJ fights and the combos, his combos that you're explaining, uh, the, uh, you were mentioning, where he 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 opens up from time to time, but uh, <laughs> once he he throws his uh, three four piece combos, he 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 needs to he needs three rounds to 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 get uh, get his stamina back, you know. And we know with Usyk what uh, what incredible motor he has uh he his activity uh goes up with as the rounds go on so his stamina his endurance is way better than um than aj so i i, I do really think that that fight wouldn't even go to scorecards i mean possible but you know my opinion i would say that uh, Usyk probably stops him by accumulation and not even that the way he he gets tired throughout the fight uh in the second half he may clip him with something he doesn't see and uh send him straight uh straight to canvas like what like he did to oh to to value but one my very last point about aj is that see against ruiz it's funny because i was listening the, um the other shows these last few days talking about aj's confidence see in my in my opinion he's someone who's extremely cocky because in one of his previous fights aj after knocking his opponent or stopping his opponent well perhaps it was maybe the the ruiz rematch i know for sure that usik was um in the first row of the fight watching the fight live and immediately after the fight uh, aj turned towards him and started uh, shooting and hit at him um, i don't know screaming at him like uh, saying things kind of like you're next etc so i i always had uh, this opinion of aj being extremely cocky despite uh, him and eddie hearn trying to present him as a as a humble fighter he's someone really cocky but it doesn't equate his confidence uh, because in the Ruiz fight, in the Ruiz rematch, I saw him 
despite for uh, boxing from the outside, for, uh, for the most part, from time to time, just because of his cockiness, he would go in the pocket. And uh, during the three match, I was rooting for AJ and I was screaming at him like, man, you're, a, you're an idiot for, uh, for going, uh, stepping into pocket with, uh, with Ruiz. Uh, so it was his cockiness uh making him uh, from time to time go in the pocket and fight Ruiz in the rematch but however despite that every time he would step in I saw a clear lack of confidence he was uh, the, the way he was be, uh, behaving in those uh, rare moments where he would step in the pocket in the Ruiz rematch clearly told me that he doesn't have confidence in his chin. Maybe his chin is not even that bad, but he doesn't have confidence in it, in it at all, just by the way he was behaving in the pocket. It, because I, I hope you're, uh, all of you are able to understand me, because it's kind of contradictory uh, that he was choosing to go in the pocket from time to time to fight him in the pocket, but it's at the same time, uh, he was uh, showing me some uh, some real lack of, of confidence in his chin in those same moments. But that's everything from me about this fight. All right, enough of this abomination of a pay-per-view card. Let's move <laughs> to the United States and clearly the best fighter who was fighting at the weekend flyweight division Jesse Bam Rodriguez a brilliant young fighter from San Antonio Texas um I had no idea even he I was hoping he would fight on the Tekken card in Japan but Bob Arum is has, has clearly seen the upside in the fighter and the excitement he brings on these cards so is utilizing him now um that gives me a little bit of worry because I, I think Bob Arum is uh, is the devil incarnated, but um, he was up against uh, Cesar Juarez, so they're kind of giving him better and better opposition. You know, Juarez, who I think had a lot of defeats, but I saw a lot of him back in the past. He uh, always showed good endurance he was getting beaten up in a lot of fights i think he had two championship fights i saw him against the filipina milan melendo when melendo was 31 31 one defeat no de no defeat one defeat no draws he was very good fighter back then ibf champion and uh, melendo was the comfortable victor but uh, juarez showed good resistance in the fight had few stages of um, success as well so not a, not a bad fighter I think never never been stopped in terms of a physical punch or punishment but may have been stopped technical reasons it may have been a cut or something which precipitated the referee or stopped about so uh, a new wrinkle with with Rodriguez to see whether he could dispose of a you know somebody with a bit of fortitude in the ring and um rodriguez coming off a knockout last time and um looked even better in this fight from what i could see um crazy combinations of body punches and uppercuts changing hands landing those uppercuts and body punches 
But in this fight, what I could see a little bit of Ishui, he was he was prepared to stay in range a little bit more. And this is the key. Sometimes you, you, you've got to take a punch to be in position so you can land your own punch, which is used as a decoy. But sometimes these new lithically incompetent television broadcast people don't really understand it and they just automatically assume that his defense is lax and he's taking punches but the punches are not even bothering him sometimes you've got to allow your, your opponent to think it's the art of deception to think that you're taking punches to give him confidence so that he opens up so therefore he's defensively in a more vulnerable position and therefore you can pick your punches you can actually land punches that that are having more effect because your opponent is not expecting those punches. Um, plus, uh, it gives you a better chance to land counter punches should your opponent be landing punches on you. But it's just it's just the, the standard boxing interaction that we see. But but with with, with Rodriguez, um, he's he's very much reminding me of a young Roman Gonzalez with the with the punch power that he's. He's, he's delivering in the ring, um, has really got, you know, not only very good boxing ability, but punching power and, and, and combinations as well. And um, official, he's, he's just continuing to impress. And the danger would be to put him in, in, in strong or for a championship title straight away. No doubt Jesse will take it, but I, I would be a little bit reticent. Um, I think now that he, he's he's beating even some of the old guard, I think the next move would put him to, to why not put him in the ring with a Milan Melendo now, like an ex world champion, move up that stage for somebody for somebody's veteran former world champion champions to see how he performs against them. And I mean, I expect him to to dispose of them expeditiously as well. Um, so what was it a round and a half two rounds uh rodriguez the momentum and the opp oppressive ways is disposing of these fighters just continues i you know what in fact um, milan melendo was one of those guys that i went on to to watch after uh finding out your uh, your video about the light flyweights but i do think that even him would be a rather easy work for uh, jesse rodriguez at this point so i wouldn't be mad at him uh, testing himself even against uh, someone who's just slightly a step above melinda at this point but yeah look so my first impression was that uh, the, the 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 difference in their sizes uh what is i i mean uh, to his credit uh, bam rodriguez wasn't using his uh his size in order to win in this fight but just visually i was surprised <laughs> because because of the size of juarez uh, Jesse Pam Rodriguez was even looking kind of fat to me, which isn't true. It, it was just because uh, me seeing him against a smaller fighter in the ring, 
but 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 yeah, just like you said, he was staying more in the pocket in this fight, uh, and the, the 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 way he kept his high guard, and uh, he was able to to slip uh, slip uh, Juarez's left hand and sneak in those extremely short uppercuts, right uppercuts things like that, uh, left hooks. He's He showed me this, that he's really able to to sneak in extremely short punches on the inside and that he keeps them short on the inside. So I was already able to see him fight at mid-range in the past or uh, stepping from long range in the past, but I never paid attention to to the quality of his punches on the inside, which really impressed me. And uh, <laughs> the, the, the way he was fighting there at that range, me too, I was recalled of uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez in some ways, because he, he kept that same high guard, which is very, uh, very hermetical. And yeah, speaking of him, and his defense lacking is not true at all because of how good that guard is. So I was able to see that uh, none of the punches from Juarez was really able to to land uh, to land uh, on him and really hurt him. So uh, it was it was nothing to worry about. So he did well. He he disposed of him. Yeah, I was. Um, Judging by his previous fight, I was expecting him to to use his footwork more and box in and out, but he did a really great job on the inside. Uh, and uh, just to to point out how how good uh, his short punches were in this fight. Uh, in fact, that the very last punch that uh, that stopped that sent uh, Juarez canvas was that left uppercut after uh, after street after going to the outside angle but i think that uh, some of the people thought it was uh, the, the the right hand or uh, a jab that he landed before that punch that they were not able to see some of some of the people were not able to see that uh, he he snuck in a left uh, left uppercut after switching the angle so yeah i was really i really enjoyed this performance and cannot wait to see more of him now he's he's still 20 years old isn't it uh yeah. in that case well, well look yeah fighters from uh, from those divisions are getting into titles title fights much earlier so yeah i'm I would be okay with him uh, boxing for a title, but in an ideal scenario, I would like him to to have uh, a full year from now on of fighting top ten, top fifteen, somewhere around that uh, that range, top fifteen level opposition opponents, two or three of them. And then get him a title shot. Yeah, I, I, think, I think two two more fights, and then maybe a title shot. I think he can take Felix Alvarado now, but he he definitely needs to be put in with with somebody with a little bit more punching power, somebody younger who perhaps doesn't have that many defeats on the record, somebody who's 
who's not washed up effectively. Um, I'd like to see a pressure fighter, somebody who's going to get him on the back foot as well. Um, but the upside is so good. He, he's just going to get better. And th the other question is weight. From my understanding, this fight may have been at a catch weight or around 110 pounds. So in between junior fly and flyweight, um, I could be wrong, but it was a, it was a, a surprise addition to the card. I had no idea pre-hand. It's just I'm just reflecting on what I saw just a couple of hours ago. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I heard 110 pounds being mentioned for his weight. So maybe there was some mutual agreement between the two fighters. So I don't know uh, the situation with, with, with Jesse, whether he's having difficulties actually making junior fly and it may be fly, you know, he's, he's at that age where he is growing still. Um, but it's only two pounds, and I'm sure if it was for a championship fight, he'll have no problems in, in getting rid of any excess weight and getting back down to a, 108 pounds. I didn't see any. I didn't see him carrying any excess timber on the body. I didn't saw a little bit of fat here and there, but it was minimal body fat. Didn't really see any any additional. But I've got to have a good look at the weigh in anyway. But. Um, so weight going forward, I, I'm not sure. Did you see anything official about the weight and as to where? Oh, hold on. Uh, just give me a second. I, I'll go to, to his back racks, uh, box track and see it. Yeah, because ideally I, I, I would much prefer him remaining at a, at, at junior fly. Uh, Nakatani, as L Dog was saying, maybe, maybe fly weight 112 pounds. So. That that may be in the future, and that's a fight that can be made in Japan as well. So, um, yeah, corruption. Uh, you were right. Um, his weight for this fight against Sol Juarez was hundred and ten pounds and a half. Yeah, yeah. What what was Juarez's weight? Just out of curiosity. Uh, one hundred and ten. Okay, fine. So it seems like I'm, I was hoping it wouldn't be a, a case of ill discipline and him being too heavy at 108 and, and Juarez just agreeing to the fight because he's after a payday now. His career is basically over as a, you know, as a gatekeeper. So we'll see. Not really, not really one to speculate on on on, on that. It, it's not a big concern at the moment. So we'll we'll, we'll move on to. Um, Another real humdinger of a, a surprise edition on the card. And it you gotta be argued, you know, this is one of the, the performances of the year, or definitely a viable contender for that. Masayoshi Nakatani coming back from a mammoth layoff, something like 17 months. Partly in due to uh, a broken eye socket. I'm not sure the the extent of the med any sort of medical procedures that he required, I'm going to have to look into that because I'm very, very curious about that. But a long layoff coming back into the United States as well. His debut was against uh, Tiafima Lopez and, and what a performance he gave. Tiafima Lopez, who's, I think, living on borrowed time. 
immensely overrated. Um, survived, claiming all sorts of excuses after the fight about weight and whatever else, weight bullying, but didn't didn't look any didn't look like the the undisputed champion in that fight. Um, Nakatani, first fight in the United States, so clearly you know a fighter needs time to acclimate, needs time to adjust. He's got to fight in a live, a live fight to experience that, so that he can, he can he can carry that experience forward. Um, so it's a pretty pretty much a baptism of fire, but he definitely impressed. And uh, Felix Vadeo, the golden child of Puerto Rico, who who I said a number of years ago on a different podcast that he would not live up to the expectations. I said at the time. When somebody said to somebody, I gave him an analogy, would he be the next Miguel Cotto or uh, Juan Manuel Lopez? And uh, I said he would be Man- Manuel Lopez. He, he just didn't have the boxing ability. From what I saw three or four years ago was him just missing too many punches. His connect connect rate was atrocious and he was just loading up punches. And how ironic... A lot of those came to fore in this fight, but under um, Ishmael Salas, and that's a very interesting one, official. How is it that Ishmael Salas is not able to take charge of the fight in the United Kingdom with Joe Joyce due to some failed COVID test, but he's able to uh, have two fights, two fighters on the card back in the United States. Now, if he'd failed any test, then quite clearly he would have been sub subject to not only quarantine procedures but he wouldn't be allowed to, to travel for for what more than 22 days so seems kind of interesting that he's able to fight or, or take charge in front of his fighters in the united states um i think that's a really a case of boris the blade warren just trying to as we indicated before trying to destabilize joy joyce as much as he can to try and promote to try and give his fighter Dubai the best opportunity to win, but it didn't win anyway. So Felix Verdeo had had been a little bit more active. I think it was his third fight in 2020. Um, but the key aspects was that against Lozado, who he'd lost to, was also a six-foot fighter, and and Nakatani similar sort of similar sort of dimensions. So. I was confident that Nakatani would win the fight. A little bit concerned about his 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 ring, his outer ring. Uh, act, the fact that he's not been active recently. Uh, so so Bob Arum gave Felix Vardeo the best opportunity in the world for redemption, and a very exciting fight, ten round fight. Nakatani having come back from two knockdowns. First one inflicted very early on in the fight. Verdeo with his archetypal combination, he lands, jab, straight right hand, good extension, stepping in with the right hand. But Nakatani sort of exacerbating the blow by defensively a little bit lapsed, a little bit cold, trying to step back, head on the center line. His guard was no defense whatsoever, uh, took the punch. Looked a little bit buzzed up, you know, it was quite a heavy knockdown. 
Um, first time he'd ever been on the canvas as well. Um, survived, not only survived, but he came back at the end of the first round as well. So very encouraging he was. But they did, didn't try and rush in, realized his opponent was still strong. So he went back. I would have liked to have seen him, you know, start hitting the body back then, but or even go back to the jab, which he did because, you know, when your father is off balance, you want to go back to the jab. So, but they showed some, some good elements of boxing. Um, Nakatani took a, took a definitely a few rounds and he suffered another knockdown as well before he really started staging the comeback and made a very bold prediction from what I heard about knocking out Vadeo in the fifth or the sixth round. Uh, I think the ESPN commentators were almost mocking him for making such a wild prognostication, but <laughs> this kid ain't fucking around. Um, started started to time Vadeo very well, not only with lead straight right hands from, but what I could see, jab right hands, some body shots as well, some counter punching as well. Not a prodigious out prodigious puncher in terms of his output is is looking to is looking for good opportunities to land hard shots likes to sit down on these punches um nice stun punches sometimes to the body as well uh really does take um fighters who may be susceptible to last a full duration so he, he has a knack of just just depleting their energy and um we saw, but they are not only being caught by these punches, but loading up on his punches a little bit too much and, and, and missing. So his punch accuracy, as aforementioned, I think that was definitely having a factor as well in terms of him being extremely gassed. And you could, you could physically see him breathing very heavily after round five, six. Um, Nakatani's punches were definitely starting to hurt him and we saw that later on with two knockdowns. I think the second knockdown was the end for Vadeo. Um, landed some good jabs in between those hard punches to finish Vadeo off. And uh, you've got to say from, from a long layoff, two knockdowns, a broken eye socket to come back and, and, and inflict a defeat on on. Uh, Vadeo desperate for for redemption now under Ishmael Shalas. Understand he's got a he's got a young family as well, so maybe the penny dropped with him, but a little bit too late. Pretty much has wasted the last few years of his career, where it's a combination of just the sheer weight of expectations being too much and just relying on your natural talent, as we as we have accentuated many times. It just carries you. To a certain degree in professional boxing but if you don't have the hard work and the dedication and the humbleness to start learning new skills then your ability will become stagnant and you will be exposed very quickly and regrettably for felix that has been the case um so what is that two defeats now in the last four or five fights um delighted for nakatani uh i think he i think Top rank put him in there 
sort of that they are to look good and, and get a you know a notable victory on his record and they certainly underestimated the resolve the determination the toughness because Nakatani he can take some Vadeo can definitely punch and he sits down on his punches beautiful with his you know but with both hands can 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 definitely punch he's got speed he's got hand speed combination he's got so much ability but um this six feet lightweight official um turning into a hell of a fighter for Tekken promotions yes definitely man big up to him uh, yeah first of all um uh, a great point that you made about salas being uh, his coach uh i mean verdejo's coach <laughs> it's really weird what's what's going on in boxing great point i was not thinking about it i i, I heard that um Verdejo switched trainers that he was with a new coach, but I didn't hear it was Salas. So yeah, <laughs> how the fuck are you able to 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 travel and be allowed to be there uh, at the bubble and with your fighter if if you tested positive, um, you're supposed to to get uh, to, to to be quarantined. But yeah, anyways, uh, first of all yeah he was getting caught in the at the beginning but it was not surprising being that he had such a long layoff and uh, like you like you told me in a message earlier today yeah it was a case of uh, <laughs> barber throwing him straight straight to straight in with uh, Verdejo after the Lopez fight and the Lopez fight is funny yeah uh, Lopez's excuses for that performance which at the end I felt like um, Lopez won that fight seven to five from what I remember after watching that fight twice uh, but it was a very tough fight for Lopez and yeah his excuses were extremely weak because it was in reality what I think it was about. It was just a case of uh, of a weight bully in Lopez running into an even bigger weight bully. <laughs> Let's be realistic because Nakatani yeah. is huge, and it's not uh, it's not surprising for um, I've been saying this for a long time not surprising for the japanese fighters extremely for those uh, who are bigger larger than their than the weight classes the japanese fighters excel at because they have difficulties to to find the right sparring partners so uh, they they really know how to cut weight and uh, stay at the lower weight class possible and uh, with them having difficulties finding the best sparring partners in japan because of the average size uh, of people there uh, yeah they, they tend to stack um, to stack to to the low 
to, to go as low as possible and drain themselves. <laughs> but yeah, now about the fight itself, what I saw in that fight, from the beginning, uh, Nakatani had uh, the right game plan, as uh, we were able to see at the end. And uh, what I mean by that, it was the pressure. Um, and he was doing some really good job, you know, with his combos. Nakatani, who's uh, also he... He's kind of stiff and robotic, but I see that he has um, some good skills, some um, some real ring IQ, because he tries to do the right things. But the thing is, because he, he can be stiff and telegraph his punches and uh, things like that, he gets caught and uh, he was aggressive from the beginning. Um, and uh, that's how that's how he 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 wasn't able to to time uh, Verdejo's quickness and explosiveness. You know, from from the beginning, he 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 was uh, not accustomed to it. Plus, add in his layoff, his very long layoff, fifteen or more months, something like that. So yeah, but what? A thing that pissed me off, again, nothing surprising, DSPN commentators, uh, because in that first round, from the moment he got knocked down, which was uh, a huge, a great knockdown, I enjoyed it. But from the moment it happened, he started on beating up uh, Verdejo in that same round. He he landed ton a ton of uppercuts with both hands down and upstairs and with his combinations and uh, warring them up and down he was setting the punches upstairs with his uppercuts and then um, then throwing those uppercuts to the body and then upstairs he was catching him with some very good punches that were all ignored uh, all ignored by uh, completely ignored by the SPN commentators, which really sucked. So, so I, I don't know. I mean, I can't. <laughs> uh, I can't take uh, Bradley anymore and reward neither. But Bradley, I really, I, I, I mean, I respect that guy. He was uh, an extremely tough fighter, very humble guy. But as a commentator, he's a he's a total shield, a company man. The worst, <laughs> official. The, the worst is that the zones, Brian Kenny or whatever his name is. That that guy should be dissolved in hydrochloric acid live on the. <laughs> That's the biggest thing with commentary. Nobody really knows their roles anymore. I mean, are they play-by-play? -play? Are they the color commentators? The thing with Brian Kenny, he just seems to flirt and interact with with Sergio Mora. It's very perverse and grotesque <laughs> in in not only viewing but listening to these. I don't mind Sergio Mora because he's an ex-boxer, so he adds better insight to any of the other two. But that Brian Kenny, uh, dear God, um, no, I, I, I have no inclination to listen to him anymore. It, it's just, I'm not even going to be watching his own cards. That, that's it.
Um, but, but, but to me, but to me personally, uh, yeah. Brancani and Mora are uh, equally terrible, really terrible. I can't stand Mora neither because he's he he's one of them he's also one of them a total shield probably even worse than uh, than bradley in my opinion i don't know <laughs> the thing is that <laughs> uh, not to toot my own horn but uh, i always prefer to 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 find the stream um a transmission in a language that I don't understand, but being that <laughs> I understand a couple of them, it's not easy. So I'm still forced to to to, to listen to to those crazy fuckers. But however, despite that, uh, those in Spanish, etc., other languages, they tend to to be way more realistic than uh, than the ones in in the US. Uh, it's just plain terrible. I don't know, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, so let me go back to the, to the fight. <laughs> so the first round for the knockdown, uh, Nakatani was doing really, really well. Uh, second round, I I don't recall it, but from what I remember, I think that he was still doing a good job, still being ignored by by the commentators. Uh, now. And he was still aggressive, and with the time, and uh, especially in the fourth round, from the fourth round on, he finally started uh, using his footwork and jab and countering with jab, you know, stepping in with the jab, then stepping out or trying to, to catch Verdejo's right hand counter, stepping out of range and counter it countering it with the jab which which i really enjoyed that that was something that he was doing uh, against Yofimo as well that he had success with his jab and footwork uh, combination of those two so yeah but from the from the fourth round on he after getting cut with some some great counter punches by by Verdejo, he he stopped being as aggressive and started boxing more, but he had a very good success with his jab, you know. And uh, once he he started hurting Verdejo, it it turned out to to be an extremely good fight. I, I just simply enjoyed it. I really like this fight, and I'm gonna rewatch it. Uh, but other than that, I cannot uh, remember what else I was able to see. Does anybody, I don't know whether you know or anybody in the chat, I'm just curious to know what the uh, scorecards were um, in the fight ended in the eighth? Was it the eighth official? It was a 10 round fight, so I'm just. Uh, it was in the ninth round, and I think that uh, all the scorecards, from what I remember, they were like uh, one scorecard uh, had uh, was giving advantage to Verdejo, three point advantage, and the the other two were like six point advantage, something like that. But let me check it out. God damn! Yeah, that's not a surprise. Um two knockdowns but i think the first round could should really have been scored a 10-9 given that uh nakatani uh, was more efficient with his punches and he was landing punches both before the knockdown um 
and after was landing uppercuts and combinations as well. So that's a that's a tight ten round, ten nine round. Um, but the judges are not going to score it like that. So the margins of which they had it seemed to be astronomically wide. So clearly they were trying to fuck him over. So that that gives me even more gratification in my delight for for <laughs> any time that Bob Arum has suffered money loss or is is consumed with sadness and disappointment. It, it gives me tremendous joy. So <laughs> fantastic. Hopefully I'll give him a seizure next so I never have to see him again. <laughs> steam, a corruption steam for for me. And look, I'm watching at scorecards. So yeah, Team Chudem and Max DeLuca had it 78 to 72 for Verdejo. And uh, Patricia... <laughs> Patricia Morse Jarman had it 77 to 74 for Verdejo too. But it was funny to me because uh, in the mid rounds when, when the referee Celestino Ruiz was, um, uh, how do you say it? I'm trying to, to, to find the right word. When the, he was um, telling Nakatani to, to pay attention to his body punches, not to to punch below the belt. <laughs> it was like, I, I mean, from from what I was able to see, maybe he was uh, landing low, but it didn't seem to me that way. So it looked to me <laughs> as if I was uh, playing a fight night champion game, uh, story mode, where in the story mode for anyone playing that game in the story mode, you have a fight where uh, you're not uh, allowed to, 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 to throw a body punch because uh, the, the referee is on your opponent's side, uh, protecting your opponent. So even the clean body punches, he was ruling it as uh, low blows. So all you have to throw is uh, punches to the head. But yeah, I mean, uh, I wasn't seeing the, the low punches from uh, the low blows from Nakatani, but uh, uh, referee was warning him to keep it up so yeah i mean nothing nothing surprising yeah. judging by by my, how the, my, the scorecards were looking my only defense to, uh, to not being uh versed to the uh low blows was i only saw the highlights so <laughs> i can i can't categorically say whether they were or they were not <laughs> but i'll <laughs> I'll go back and, and and watch the fights. If they were, then we'll call him out on it. But we'll forgive him, given that they were trying to fuck him over. I think it's only fair, official. You know, you've got the judges trying to screw him over the top and trying to screw him over, so he lands a few low balls. I, I, I think that's that's a quadratic equation for me. There's equal balance on both sides, so it's fully justifiable. So I have no problems with that. Um, going forward, um, Ver Felix Verdeo, is that the end of him now? Is he just a high-level gatekeeper now? Well, yeah, I mean, look, uh, one thing is sure. Uh, for, for his sake, I wouldn't expect him 
to to be thrown in the ring with any tough fighter who can take a punch and uh, you know and uh, has a work rate like uh, well like nakatani does because uh, he seems like uh, he cannot think, uh, take uh, take the pressure uh, i don't know i i mean some of the things he was doing in the ring i really enjoyed it but the angles the, the the quickness explosiveness counter punching but it was pretty much um, i'm trying to to find the right word see, see official, official for me I, I think what led to his demise was i think his, his conditioning is still not has not been perfected we, we know it's a rehabilitation exercise under Ishmael salas and you, you can see from his physique what I've seen before in, in comparing and contrasting, it is better, but he doesn't have the endurance for a for a competitive 12 rounds, say, a, a war, if he's exchanging. He, he, he doesn't have the endurance and he doesn't have the punch resistance, but the problem with him is that he, he's still he's got to conserve his energy. He's got to know when to load up and when not to because his punch accuracy is still not there and he hasn't corrected it in in a few years. So I'm not sure whether that is a permanent aberration or whether it's just a, it's a technical deficiency that he has. Um, Ishmael is, is one of the best coaches in, in the world, no doubt about it. You know, he's working with so many great fighters simultaneously and sort of weights. That's something for him to decode and decipher. Uh, but it's not a bad relationship. I saw some of the previous fights Felix had, evidently against much lower quality opposition, but he rebuild his confidence by giving him those fights. He's very much a confidence type of fighter. He thought he was the next great thing in, in Puerto Rico. So when, when that is unfulfilled, then it can have debilitating psychological impacts just look at prince nasim hamid he'd never recovered from the def one defeat he had when he exactly. in, his, in his inflated bubble thought he was the greatest fighter of all time so so when 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 reality set people react very differently you know some uh in other industries well if you look at japan in particular you know that they the biggest killer of young men between the age of 20 and 40 is, is suicide so um it's it's a very different cultural psychological system so we don't know with with, with Vardeo, but um maybe there's still hope if i was top rank i would still persist him i'd, I'd still keep with ishmael silas i would get his conditioning up that's what he needs to do get him get him in some 12 round fights you may have to remodel him his offense a little bit as well he's got to he's got to fight uh, he's, he's got to fight economically if he's if he does have you know stamina deficiencies but the talent is there he's got punching power nakatani's got a hell of a chin obviously a lot of ring rust but um pretty much flash knockdowns which, which called him but he recovered but Still, you need a bit of power to put him down, and you're right. There, there are remnants of a of a talented boxer there, so we'll see what happens.
but with Masayoshi, personally, I would love to see a Tiafima Lopez rematch. I think he'll be better in the rematch. Um, but that is a fight I can see Tiafima Lopez staying the fuck away from. I don't think he wants to get back in the ring with Masayoshi, and I, I, I wouldn't blame him. But the first fight was a voluntary. Hopefully, Masayoshi has got a some sort of a fringe WBO championship, some ranking points, etc. He's accrued. So if he continues along this path and he can get into a mandatory berth, then then force the fights. Um, I'm sure there's there's enough demand from the boxing public to see a rematch because the first fight was very good and it was a surprise element with Nakatani. But now they've seen that he that he definitely is the real deal. He's got boxing ability, punch power, a tremendous chin, resolve, heart determination, all of the components that that appeals to us boxing fans. So um, hopefully that'll gravitate and that'll, that'll grow. He's a good fighter to get some support behind. So um, Lopez has, has 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 a monopoly of the belts at that at lightweight. So. Nakatani can't really do anything. Um, I'm sure Top Rank will now have some sort of promotional rights in in pro- promoting him internationally if, if Tekken don't want to enforce it back in Japan. So not a bad idea. Keep him in, in the States. The belt's all over here. Um, makes sense. Give him a Richard Comey. Give him whoever, you know, give him some, keep him busy with some high-level competition. Let him keep climbing the rankings and if that if that happens down the line, I welcome it. But Lopez, I don't know, he's turned into a bitch ass all of a sudden now. You know, doesn't really want any rematches with Vasily or Nakatani. He wants, you know, he's fighting George Cannabis or whatever his name is. Um, and then he may fuck off to lightweight, I mean, to light welterweight. So hard to say. Official, anything you want to see going forward from Nakatani in terms of a future fight or anything? Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, I would agree. I would love to see the rematch between him and Lopez. Now with Lopez, first of all, I'm disappointed that he's not willing to, to go into a rematch with Lomachenko and okay. Okay, fair enough. Um, the rematch clause uh, wasn't signed, so. But I'm I'm really disappointed that he doesn't want to 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 have that rematch. I think it would be a great fight, even way better than than the first one. Uh, and uh, no reason for him to to fight uh, Cambosos instead of. Uh, instead of Loma, but I would also love to see the Nakatani rematch as well. Now, as far as Nakatani goes, I mean, yeah, I could say, yeah, I would agree with you, in fact, why not fight Kame? So they both uh, share the same opponent. In Teofimo, now they have uh, some appearances on uh, recent, fairly recent ESPN shows, so uh, they 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 become uh, more known to to the public to to the boxing public in the US. So it would be a win-win situation for both uh, his pro- I mean not his promoter but I, I guess uh, 
top rank and the ESPN and Nakatani too. So, so yeah, why not go and fight uh, Comate and possibly have a, I mean, I would love to see a rematch in between him and uh, Teofimo Lopez. And look, while uh, Nakatani would, uh, I would say so, he he would be better uh, than he was the first time against Lopez. But I think uh, Lopez could be too. He has more confidence now, etc. So I think it would be it would be a very nice fight. What about, uh, what about Nakatani and Jorge Linares? Oh yeah, that's so uh, well. See, that's another fight, um, kind of like um, well, Linares. It would be even better than uh, than the Comey fight. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah, I, w- I would be interested uh, to to see that fight. Look from from the technical standpoint, uh, Linares being a sharpshooter, a really nice. Uh, in my opinion, he's he's very talented fighter, but I guess at the end the Katani would probably stop him. But it would be an amazing uh, mixture of styles. Uh, I could see that fight uh, looking kind of like Kodo and Margarita, that style of, and maybe that that's not that's not a great comparison because. Uh, Koto, Koto, he was always a power punch, uh, yeah, power puncher. While um, the guy Linares, his uh, his punches are more smoother. He's uh, he's very nice, nice counter puncher, nice combos. So he's not. He's not looking to put as much power in his, in his punches, so they're harder to see. Yeah, it would be a very good fight. I would love to see them, uh, even more so than uh, Nakatani versus Kome. Uh, give him, give him, Gam- give him Gamboa. Give him Gamboa on the Tekken card in Japan. I'm sure he can fight again in a week. <laughs> he destroys Gamboa. I, I mean, he could... It would be a nice fight for him, you know, to 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 make himself even bigger in the U.S., for example. So why not give him give him Tank Davis? I think he. <laughs> hey, but 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 you know what? To be honest with you, Tank Davis, uh, um, he can. Uh, he he can counter with a lot of power, and uh, Nakatani is giving you. I kind of see that. I would see that fight the similar way, like Nakatani versus Lopez. Although Lopez is more more dangerous, uh, because just like Tank, he can uh, counter with uh, with a lot of power, but he also has a better endurance, and uh, is even bigger than uh, than Gervonta. But I do think Javonta Davis fighting Nakatani, although it will not happen because uh, Nakatani stays uh, a tough fighter such as him, would be very dangerous for uh, Floyd to to put uh, Tank Davis in there with. But yeah, I would. It, it would be a nice fight as well. But I'm telling you, Tank Davis could hurt him as well because he, when he's serious. I mean, he can he can land a, a great counter punch. 
Uh, I think he's gone. I think uh, you and myself are polar opposites. I think he's technically poor. I think defensively, he's got no defense whatsoever. He's upright, no head movement. He's front foot lead happy. Very predictable. I, I think a boxer, somebody who could box and, and maintain distance and range and not be there in front of him, I, I think could cause him all sorts of trouble. And somebody who's got power as well, respectable power. Um, but you're right, it's, it's a purely hypothetical fight. Because Tank Davis now, after one fight, is the pay-per-view star. You know, all of a sudden, he dictates he dictates the lightweight division now. He's similar yeah. two regular world championships. Um, ah, man. This is one of the reasons why I, I'm really on, on the verge of retiring from boxing. You know, I need to watch garbage like that. Um, well, like I told you, corruption. Uh, I mean, we should not care about uh, those official governing bodies, boxing governing bodies, yeah. uh, the official titles, etc. And uh, even you said last time we, we, we should have our own uh, the coup d'état of boxing belt because that's that's exactly the way I'm uh, looking the boxing at. And that's why I'm I'm official scorecard because. I'm giving you my official opinion, in my opinion. So I don't give a fuck who, who officially wins the fight. Uh, if yeah. I'm seeing differently, uh, I have, so there is no reason for me to, 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 to respect the official uh, uh, record of a fighter that we can look at on Backstrack or any other site. Uh, so you, Your official score. You told Adelaide Bird everything you need to know about scoring fights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fuck, it's yeah, it's so terrible. So I, so I clearly understand uh, why you, you're, you're telling me this. You know, telling me that <laughs> you're on the verge of retiring from uh, from watching boxing because yeah, because of that, it really sucks. But yeah, what I wanted to say about. Um, Think, yeah, it, it was my first thought uh, about his uh, his offensive uh, capabilities because I do think he can land a, a good punch, but also defensively, yeah, you're definitely right, he's terrible. And Nakatani, a much longer puncher, uh, fighter like Nakatani. Could... You, you could have given Uriokis Gamboa two stiletto high heels to wear and Tank Davis would have taken 11 rounds still to knock him out. That's, that's also true. Of his boxing ability. He is awful. Dear God, I, 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 I'm going to have to do a video very, very soon about breaking, just breaking how bad he is. Um, it's amazing the way the boxing public have, have succumbed to this whole cocoon of nonsensical boxing, you know, with him, which is, which is understandable, you know, that that side of the, that side of the boxing periphery, uh, are not blessed with any natural intelligence, you know, they just, they they tend to gravitate to individuals that 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 have become financially affluent, and there's automatically an, an admiration for them. 
those who break what they feel is systemic pervasive racism so those who are millionaires the whole public are just automatically gravitating to them like flies to shit uh it's just to me it's just that that whole subservient victim mentality culture and um nah, nah. not for me um anyway we'll, we'll move away from the depressing division that involves <laughs> we'll look forward to nakatani going forward i think he's going to end up as one of the most avoided fighters a little bit like estrada when he was operating at flyweight and uh, even Sergio Martinez, when he was at around sort of 147, 154, he was getting avoided as well. Uh, couldn't get fights. Um, and we'll move on to the headline card. Uh, I, I had no interest in watching this fight official. Shakur Stevenson has been gifted world championships. He's gone from fighting a 100 to 1 underdog for the world championship to a 200 to 1 underdog in the following fight. And now you're up against uh, Toka Clary, who was knocked out at featherweight in the first round. So what's the point of fighting him at super featherweight? Did not understand the concept, the rationale behind this fight whatsoever. So haven't seen it. Please uh, uh, give, your, give me your thoughts. Uh, yeah, so like I told you, I only saw the first four or five rounds. I mean, it was nothing, nothing spectacular. Uh, what I was able to see is that this fight was a bit more exciting than uh, than the usual Shakur Stevenson fight. Uh, there, there, there was more trading punches than usual. Uh, but, however, one thing that I clearly saw, uh, him fighting um, a southpaw in, uh, what was his name, uh, Clary, Ken Clary. Um, every time he was going to the body, uh, slapping his hooks to the body and then uh, trying to go upstairs, he was getting countered by by the right southpaw jab of Clary. Uh, that was one thing that I saw, but still, it's nothing new because I already I was already talking in my uh, in my Shakur Stevenson breakdown video for one of his previous fights. How susceptible he is to to counters in the pocket, and uh, sometimes. In this fight, I felt like he was uh, when he was stepping, stepping in with uh, with the jab towards his opponent, uh, towards Clary. Um, so what what he was doing uh, throughout this fight, at least uh, for those for first four or five rounds, he would step in with the jab uh, to the body and then throw a, or double jab, and then throw a left slapping left hook to the body and then try to go upstairs. Uh, well, he, when he was stepping in, uh, going to, to Clary's body, he was overreaching a bit, and there was there was enough of room to to sneak in a counter right hand in between Shakur's uh, lead left hand and uh, and that right hook, 
and yeah he always i, I mean look he's a, he's a I do rate him highly, his, uh, his boxing abilities. And he does seem to me as a, as a hard worker, but he's one of those who, who I just cannot understand how, how they're always throwing their uh, rear hand, uh, while they're looping the rear hand so much as if they're not able to, to, to operate uh, a rear sorry rear hand straight you know not a lot of straight punches uh kind of same same thing with crawford especially in the pocket when uh well that's how crawford gets gets countered too and that's that's why i already described in my previous shakur stevenson video he does tend to to do the same thing in the pocket to to throw to open up and I don't know. It, it it puts him it puts him at risk. But I would say that from this fight, I do think that he had um, at least during those rounds that I was watching, he had problem with at long range. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's because of his um, short arm reach or whatever else. But I felt like he was uh, he 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 could be you know in real problem against a fighter who can control the distance and has a good uh, good straight punches and uh, and timing. Yes, and of course, Clary he could not hurt him, but he was landing that right hand, and uh, like I said in. In my video on Shakur Stevenson on my solar channel, uh, I was talking about how susceptible he was also against the orthodox right hands, counter right hands in the bucket when uh, when he when he opens up. But in this fight, from what I've seen, uh, he had problem at at that long range because uh, I, I don't know I don't know exactly, but I clearly saw that. Uh, I don't know how to describe it because I haven't analyzed the fight really, but he was suffering at long range. See, see, official. If let's let's make the distinction here. You know, Shakur is a, a talented fighter. You know, I mean, I followed him since Rio, since the Rio Olympics when he lost in the final against Rabisio Ramirez, who interestingly was also fighting on this card as well. Um, it's a, a stark difference to what I saw four years ago um, to the fighter that he is today. Physically, he's grown, and there has been a lot of acquisition of skills, and he's developed his lead hand a lot better, and he's learning to punch to the body, so very good. But to make assumptions already about him being the best, the most talented fighter, the way Andre Ward and Tim Bradley are just perpetuating just continuously every every telecast that Shakur is fighting on is that's a, that's such a bold aspersion that I, I don't think anybody in boxing truly believes, given the level of competition that he's faced. 
And that is entirely the fault of the matchmakers because Shakur has already won a world championship or was gifted a world championship, should I say. You know, if Shakur can fight his girlfriend's brother, then I might say to Bob Arum, can, Bob, can I fight Cherry Kiss for my maiden world championship? <laughs> to, I promise to manhandle her and I'll, and I'll abuse and I'll destroy both her holes. Is that is that perfectly acceptable? And I'm sure Bob will grant me my wish. So it's <laughs> the realms of possibility. So so they've they've made him automatically into a prospect champion. So now you're going backwards by fighting fighters who are far inferior to what you was fighting before, and what you was fighting before was was absolutely absolutely diabolical. Anyway, they were just padded records. Absolutely no one on. Now, Tucker Clary had a little bit of talent, but he was comprehensively outboxed by Kit Galahad, uh, another you know counter puncher, very decent fighter, um, awkward, um, but very good technical skills as well. Can gave Josh Warrington all sorts of problems as well in a highly controversial decision loss that many felt that Galahad had, had won. So. And that fight was at 126 pounds. Um, so Clary showed no power at 126, so he was not going to do, do anything at 130. So if, if it was a, an exercise of futility or an exercise just to acclimate Shakur to southpaws at 130 pounds, then I can understand that, given that Jamal Horring and and Jojo Jonathan Joseph Diaz are, are incumbent world champions, both of them both southpaws, then okay, you want to prepare for potential challenges against those southpaw champions, then okay. If it's specifically from that point, then then I'll accept the fight and give him a pass. Um but Jojo Diaz and, and Jamel Herring are a very different fighters and and far far the the levels between Tucker Cleary and 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 the aforementioned is I think ja Jojo Diaz is a, is a, is a lot better than Jamel Herring, who I see him being just totally totally humbled by you know at, um, by Denis Shafikov who who just played with him and 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 took him out, but he showed a bit better on the under Brian McIntyre. So maybe they're looking at the winner of Jamel Herring and Carl Frampton, who I understand are in line to fight at some point next year. Um, but Shakur is also talked about fighting uh, Miguel Burchelt or Oscar Valdez, the winner of that fight. So I'm not sure what path he's looking to proceed, but by his extremely bold words he's targeting all champions at this division i i respect that i don't it's it's hard to believe given what he's fighting but fair enough we'll, we'll hold him to those words they official um it's going to be a massive jump up in class from the tocca clearies and fighting you know, your girlfriend's brother for a world championship to fighting a Miguel Burchelt, who does have power, significant power, one punch knockout power as well. 
um, and your chin, you're just relying on your, your self-proclaimed defensive proficiency, but better fighters are able to, to, to penetrate your guards and, and able to walk you down and they're able to take your punches and create their own openings. So that's a completely different proposition. So we'll see. And, and Jojo Diaz is, is, is probably the best technical boxer out of all of the champions. Um, very exciting fight, fight I like a lot. Um, may not have the punching power, but he's always in exciting fights and he, he does have very good punch accuracy like a Shakur Stevenson and, and is very good against Southpaws as well. So that, that's an interesting matchup. Um, so we'll see going forward. Uh, official, any, any closing words on Shakur, this card, etc.? Yeah, yeah, uh, I have a few words. Okay. Yeah, first of all, uh, Bob will he would know that you really studied uh, all Cherry Kiss's moves, all, all of her films for years. So, so, so yeah, in my opinion. Video analysis of the highest caliber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, Shakur Stevenson, okay. Yeah, Jojo Diaz, he's one of my very favorite fighters in that division. I I do really enjoy them. Uh, I enjoy his, his fights. Yeah, he, he doesn't have a good, uh, extremely good punching power, but he has real skills. Now, the problem for him uh, would be probably Shakur's footwork because uh, let's be real in that uh, possible fight, he would... Uh, run around the ring and box off, off the back foot. But unlike Gary Russell, uh, he probably wouldn't have uh, as high punching output as uh, Gary Russell has. So in that regard, it may be an easier fight for, uh, for Jojo Diaz. Uh, and being that... From what I remember, uh, Jojo doesn't have the, the quickest hand speed and uh, he kind of tends to, to, to be flat-footed. But it would be an interesting fight anyways. And yeah, I would, I would be looking forward to it. Um, but like you said, it's a big jump in class in between fighting girls in a park parking lot and uh, your girlfriend's brother and then those those other belt holders uh, and yeah one interesting thing uh, in the chat a guy i, I think <laughs> he was already hating on us in the previous uh, he was already in our chat room in the previous videos uh, hating on us but he's mentioning BFTB. It looks like BFTB is a big fan of our channel. So thank you, BFTB. Big up to you. Yeah, he's he's calling us out. Yeah. Anything on our channel? Any specific reason? Sorry. Is there? Did he articulate any specific reason for hating on our channel? 
while these guys is telling me uh, he was asking me why did BFTB call call you out call out your channel and I was like what oh, really and he said uh, he said your channel comes with no recipe also you're a fan girl who won't debate him I think it was uh, thrown at me but first of all yeah let me just say a couple of things first of all yeah, uh, so, so, First of all, uh, he's so important in my life that I haven't following his channel at all. Uh, I only remember seeing a couple of his uh, videos uh, on the other channels where he was screaming at uh, BT and you know, calling out people. So he doesn't know shit about boxing. He's... Uh, He's a pussy like uh, the most of LDBC channels. Doesn't oh, know shit. Okay. And uh, yeah, and by the way, I never, never saw him uh, comment on our channel asking for a debate. So I don't know what he's talking about. Probably hyping himself out up. Exactly. Official, these people are talking about debates. You know, I mean, I mean, I come from Oxford, you know, I mean, I've been debating professors. So you think against some some uneducated cockroach, you think, really think it's going to be a debate, it's going to be a massacre. So Absolutely. I'll debate all of them simultaneously. You know? Absolutely. It, 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 it would be like... Uh... You would be looking like uh, a Al Heyman's fighter, you know, in uh, fighting bombs, fighting fighting cans. Yeah, I'll even debate them about the history of the black race if they want, and give them an education on that. But, uh, for, forget those, forget those cockroaches. Should all be exterminated. Um, Absolutely. We'll move on. Um, I'm not sure if there was any other cards, but uh, yeah. Uh, sorry for cutting you off. Yeah, in fact, uh, there was a fight that I missed. I forgot to watch it. Uh, uh, first, okay, I wasn't even. Uh, I didn't care about Eggington and Teofan, but I I wanted to to watch uh, Chris Colbert. <clears throat> Excuse me, Chris Colbert was fighting uh, Jaime Arboleda. Now, this Arboleda guy, I never heard of him, never saw his fights, but I was looking forward to see uh, Colbert, but I missed that fight. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and look at some of the fights. As I say, I'm, I'm curious about Rabise Ramirez, Harry's. How he's recovering from his first professional defeat. I think he's a little bit more active, getting getting some wins four or five on the trot, which is good to see. Um, so um, that pretty much concludes the post-fight analysis. Um, anything else you want to cover, official? Uh, no, if you want, I can just uh, read uh, the fights for the next week. Okay. 
Yeah, so nothing special. He's fighting during the week. I heard a little bit about his opponent, who may be an ex rugby rugby league player, or has migrated. Uh, sorry. sorry, I'm not able to hear you well. Uh, I think Tim Zhu is fighting during the early part of next week against um, a domestic showdown against the next rugby league or rugby union Australia. I, I heard so I think it's going to be a mismatch mm -hmm. uh, well I heard of him fighting uh, too although I can't see his name his fight on the list uh, maybe they're, they, they forgot to add it but yeah uh, anyways I know it was not a big fight anyways but yeah. the other fight that could be just a domestic view, some sort of a cash grab. Yeah, so the next week uh, in the UK, there's Mick Hennessy's card, uh, Peter's Richards. Uh, I'm not interested at all. Uh, Gennady Golovkin fighting Seremeta. Uh, I'm not interested Good. at all. Um, then uh, Gilberto Ramirez and Lopez, Michael Hunter fighting uh, Sean Loggery. Uh, it's on Fight TV in uh, in Texas, USA. Michael Hunter, Sean Loggery. Uh, then uh, there's also Kendall on the undercard of Gilberto Ramirez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. On the underboard. Then uh, there's also Canelo Alvarez, Callum Smith, and uh, Julio Cesar Martinez uh, versus Francisco Rodriguez Jr. And uh, by the way, uh, a fight between Donner and Rodriguez was cancelled because yeah. Donner supposedly te tested uh, positive. Yeah, and, and uh, official score did a tremendous amount of analysis and was looking to launch, looking to sort of pilot a, a number of the video analysis and, and provide sort of live vocal narr narration over them on the show. But unfortunately, um, the fight has been cancelled. Uh, I think. Um, Emmanuel Rodriguez has a blocked nose, so he's deemed too much of a danger to fight. Um, yeah, um, I'm sure, you know, one lem sip, bit of hot lemon, and he'll be fine in a couple of hours, but... Yeah. <laughs> Madness, what is going on? Uh, yeah, and by the way, the last night I was watching, uh, somebody on Twitter shared uh, Donaire's tweet where uh, he did another test and the, it came out negative. So it's BS. <laughs> and officially, you remember last week I was talking about how the tour, the cricket tour in Australia was cancelled due to... Yeah. Yeah, I was absolutely right. The players who returned were given had had no such symptoms whatsoever it was just erroneous tests which unfortunately has cost you know south africa my country you know and 
a lot of monies in terms of a you know cancelled matches. So they don't realize the the economic ramifications of this this whole erroneous system and no veracity in in any any tests. Uh, I don't know. It's become certainly certainly in 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 countries which which don't have an economic structure a socialist economic structure that they can just switch public sector finances into deficit and just whether it's through central banks printing money or private banks etc they can just monetize the debt and keep people out of work but south africa and other countries doesn't have any such any such policies so the repercussions are astronomically uh, so much more severe and punitive and, you know, it costs people their lives, you know, their livelihoods. It's, uh, it's disgusting, you know. I don't see England going back to fulfill their contract. They'd rather just pay fines rather than fulfill it, thinking the danger is just too much. So horrible. Sorry, official, but I digressed. No, no problem at all, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you and everybody else who who's following us uh, on our and the other podcasts knows very already very very well what do I think about these situations. So I I don't even want to to go on for too much about it. It just it just sucks. I don't we've know. Got a very, we've got a pretty pretty packed out card both domestically in terms of domestic I mean not domestically, I mean from the from from both sides of the Atlantic in the United Kingdom and the United States. Uh unbelievable how the Canelo fight is just suddenly upon us. Beautiful yeah. tactic from Canelo, you know. Announcing the fight himself, you know, as we know that in normal circumstances, drug testing only really initiates whenever the fight is announced. But why not? Why not announce it spontaneously when you know you're not going to be tested, or you've had the benefits of no out of competition testing for the last sort of two months which you've been undergoing whatever training and acclimating to whatever weight division so he's got the he's got the floyd mayweather playbook and he's following it step by step so i've got no interest in that fight i think callum smith not three to one underdog might might be might have six inches in hide and reach as a deficiency but doesn't impress me as a fighter at all surprise he's even still campaigning at 168 pounds yeah that's clearly a light heavyweight um canelo alvarez is just gonna beat him up and knock him out um i'm, I'm far more interested in el rey martinez and um, Gennady Golovkin's comeback. 
Uh, yeah, as far as Golovkin goes, uh, well, you know what about Golovkin's fight? The only thing that I'm interested in is uh, trying to see how he's going to look like. But the fight itself, it doesn't interest me at all, to be honest. But yeah, Canelo too. I mean, the guy Smith is going to be uh, severely trained. He only had uh, four uh, four weeks of training, and you have to keep in mind that the last week you can't do any real work. There's usually no sparring at all. You're just maintaining the weight, etc. Going just just having some light training, so <laughs> it means three weeks. Uh, <laughs> Rocky was the champion, but he got dragged to Madison Square Garden. Liam Smith was the champion, and he gets dragged to Texas. Now, Callum Smith, champion ring magazine, getting dragged to the United States. Sergey Kovalev, the champion, gets dragged to the States. It's extraordinary the hurdles that these fighters have to jump to to for him to exert his his A-side privileges on the fighters, you know. That's what happens when you capitulate to money, unfortunately. Um, so be it. Ah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, is this really what you're going to call a number one pound-for-pound pound fighter? Not at all, man. Usyk takes Givatsky's O and his WBO belt in Poland, takes Breedus's O and his WBC, so he took Glavaki's WBO, took Breedus's WBC and his O in Latvia, then takes um, takes the, uh, what was it, the W... What did he take of Murat Gessiev? Was it his w Was it the IBF? Was it the WBA? I can't remember. Can't remember neither. Um, might have been the WBA. I think. Yeah. So he takes his w, WBA and his own in Russia. You know, that's that's pound for pound. You know what, what Alvarez is doing? That is a redundant euphemism of some bitch-ass A-side bullshit that to me warrants no respect whatsoever. Exactly, man. I mean, how much of that low shit you have to do and still be considered like pound for pound? It tells me who who the real casuals are when I see it on Twitter. Like, yeah, but Canelo is my, my pound for pound number one. You cannot dispute it. I mean, uh, he he fought all those guys, but he had to to tilt every even the slightest possible thing in his favor. I mean, three giving giving them three four week training camps. Not even four, it's three weeks. Like I told you, the last week you you, you don't really train. Um, 
<laughs> and compare it to 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 what uh, what some other fighters are doing. It's it's simply uncomparable. I mean, Canelo credit to him. He's a tough fighter, uh, very good chin, uh, very well rounded fighter. Uh, has some 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 very good skills. I'm not disputing it, but people are blowing him out of proportions. Uh, if he was doing the, the, if he was in the same position that uh, some other fighters were in, he would never be called a number one pound for pound. No way at all, man. Da- uh, David Benavides with a full training camp behind him, two months. Beats the shit out of Canelo Alvarez. No question about it in my mind. Arturo Baterbiev, if he still chooses to fight at 175 pounds, if Baterbiev is not flanked by any injuries and has a and has an unimpeded training camp as well, give him even six weeks, eight weeks, I think he knocks Canelo Alvarez into next week. Um, he murders him. Yeah. But Canelo knows that, and that's why he he vacated his belt um, pretty much ASAP. Um, Yeah, that belt uh, that he got, uh, well, he kept it for the duration of the post-fight interview after Kovalev, and then (laughs) throw it back because he doesn't want anything to do with with Baturbiev, at least not the one that we saw from the Gwazdik fight. Uh, The the only way I can see him fighting Baturbiev is uh, at the moment he sees that uh, Arthur is uh, sleeping because of his age, and uh, on top of that, <laughs> he'll try to 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 make him sign a one-way rehydration clause, a catch weight maybe. That's the only way he would fight Baturbiev. Uh, but fighting uh, Baturbiev yeah. in, in a possible shape before he gets uh, even older, no way. He, he would impose a, a rehydration clause on Baturbiev, saying that Baturbiev can only rehydrate by one pound from the way yeah. he's not even allowed a glass of water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you see corruption, I mean, uh, for the Kabbalah fight, and I mean, one more time, I'm saying, uh, yeah, I was... Uh, my prediction was completely off because uh, I was only paying attention to to skills, not to what was happening um, around that fight, before that fight, etc. Uh, so I was overlooking some uh, some things. Definitely, uh, I'm uh, I'm at fault for it, but. You saw that they didn't want to make it public that Kavalev had a one-weight rehydration clause. So it 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 wasn't even for, for both fighters, but only for Kavalev. And they wanted to keep it under the rug until, uh, well, Kavalev probably licked, or his team licked it to, um, to whoever the, the journalist was. I tell you what, I'm I'm really looking forward to the autobiography of Sergei Kovalev, if he lives long enough to write it, because that's going to be a fascinating read. Yeah, he'll shed some light on the, the the way they've been trying to stitch him up with 
all of the misdemeanor, the apparent misdemeanors and the allegations outside the ring, all of the, the negotiating interactions with Andre Ward and James Prince and Rock Nation and uh, a hell of a lot of shit was going on in that fight and everything to the build-up with this fight as well. I think it's, it's going to be a hell of a read. Um, um, let's, I might even contact Sergey to see if I can even write it for him. Oh, yeah. Just give me the manuscript or give me some, give me the vocal, give me the, the overview and I'll write it even for him. You know, I'd love to do that. Pro bono, free of charge. I think it'll be great reading. Um, all right, official. So pretty packed out cards. Look forward to it. Julio Serra Martinez, WBC champion, 112 pounds. The little buzzsaw, one of the most exciting boxers. Um, he's fighting on the Canelo undercard, so there's a little bit of silver lining um, to the Canelo fight, at least. Um, and Golovkin, um, IBF mandatory, as so I guess he has to fight it. If he wants to maintain the belt, has any sort of leverage... Because Canelo is going to demand some sort of leverage if that fight ever happens. Maybe it'll be the IBF belt. I don't know. I'm not even sure what's going to happen going forward. But okay, those are the two fights I'll be looking forward to. So we'll be back next week and we'll give um, our post-fight breakdowns of all of the aforementioned cards. Uh, by the way, corruption. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have a question for you about uh, our shows for, for the rest of this year. So it means we'll have uh, how many, two or three more shows? Uh, 21, 28. Well, uh, we have uh, two more shows until the end of this year. And being that on the 31st of December, there's uh, Yoka Tanaka. Uh, what do you think? When could we make uh, a breakdown uh, for that fight? Are you? Um, I don't know what's what you what is what's like your. Oh, oh fuck! Sorry. What's your schedule like for the rest of the year? If you're gonna be busy or not? But uh, just throwing the idea at you, if you want for one of those two following shows, two next shows, to do the breakdown uh, for that fight. Yeah. Just let me. Know. So I can go on. Yeah, as you know, you know, I'm I'm sort of between different countries every week. Um, this week I've been in, in, in Antwerp, Belgium. I have to go back there. Um, and I'm going to have to be a few days in Berlin as well. So it's it's a, a little bit early, but I'm going to have to maybe res, reschedule some elements. But I'll, I'll have a, a clearer idea by next week. Okay. Okay, yeah, just let me know so so I can know. Well, even if you're busy, you know, I can I can do it. Uh, I can do it solo. That's a card I'm I'm keen to sort of maximize time and effort to talk about, both in terms of yeah. preview and the the post fight and um, try and cover 
some of the undercard fights as well. So those those cards have always given me considerable, have always derived so much pleasure from watching those cards over the years. Um, so I don't think it's going to be as spectacular as in previous years. The multiple cards, sometimes free cards they used to show between the two days. Um, but given the situation at the moment, I'm not sure whether they're going to be able to generate the sort of revenues to put on as many fights. So, but in any case, um, next week we'll have a better idea. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try and we'll try and work something out to definitely, you know, do to um, talk about a lot of the work that you've done, which I'm sure you're very keen to uh, disseminate out. Oh, yeah. Okay, so on that note, I would like to um, thank everybody who joined us for the, for the live Ustream, YouTube version of the stream. All the usual suspects, um, Shepherd of Sands, Duck, L Dog, Triple J, um, Elon, um, B Space, Nordic Warrior, um, anybody else? If there's anybody else, I apologize, but thank you to everybody. Official. Um, yeah, we'll be back same time next week, hopefully back at 9, 9 p.m. Central European time. So until then, 